0: Hey, I'm going to tell you a story. Not too long ago, I was uh, doing a, a handyman job. That I, I get handyman jobs occasionally. I was doing it on a Saturday to earn a little extra money and uh, a little bit of background. I grew up all the way until my early t- early 20s working with my dad who was a general contractor. He's here this weekend. And uh, so I learned a lot about home construction and repair and things like that. And so I generally know what I'm doing on a handyman job. I'm not a rookie. I know how to handle myself and how to fix things. And on this particular job, I was working on a fountain water feature in the backyard of this client. It wasn't working properly, okay? And so I found out what was happening is the pump that pumps the water up the fountain and, and goes down, it had worn out and it needed to be replaced, okay? And so to access the pump, I want you to visualize it. You have the bowl of the fountain and then you've got like the column going up. And so what I had to do is tilt that column piece over so I could access the pump and work on it and replace it. And so I was trying to remove it, get it out of there so I could get a, a new pump to put in and I needed some tools, okay? I didn't have the, the right tool with me right there at the pump, it was over in my bag at the car, okay? okay? So I had this top top column part tilted over, balanced on the bowl, and I thought to myself, okay, this is good enough. I'm going to go get the tools I need, and I'm going to come back and finish the job, okay? So I went, and I went to the car, went to my bag, grabbed the tool I need, and what did I hear? Crash! And my heart just sank. Because instead of putting the found an upright again to walk away. I left it tilted over and I thought it's fine. It's good enough. And it fell over and it shattered. And I'm honestly still. This happened months ago. I'm sick just talking about this because it was a stupid mistake, okay? I knew what I should have done. I should have set it upright if I was going to walk away. Okay? I thought it would be good enough, but I got too comfortable with my own abilities and my, you know, having it tilted over, it would have been best to play it safe and not even take a risk for a second. And uh, the story, it gets even crazier, but kind of like old Paul Harvey, you're going to have to stick around to hear the rest of the story, okay? Have you ever done something stupid because you thought it would be good enough? You ever done something like that? It, it's never comfortable to admit when you made a mistake. I'm not comfortable admitting my mistakes this morning, let alone a stupid mistake. It's worse even when you know better, when you know what you should do but you don't do it, and you think, ah, oh, eh, it's good enough, it's good enough. You know, it, it's, not, it's not easy to admit our own mistakes, but it is fun to laugh at other people's stupid mistakes, right? I spent a little time earlier this week on on a sub-page of Reddit where they were talking about and they were posting pictures of jobs that people did that were good enough, okay? And I got a couple of them I want to show you. First one, first couple are parking jobs. These are very easy to pick on, okay? You can see the one on the right. They are so close to the line. If somebody parked next to them, they're not going to be able to get back in their car, but they thought, ah, good enough. And then the person on the left, they're taking up two spaces, They had to have known, but they said, ah, it's good enough. No big deal. No big deal. Uh, I like this one about a traffic light that was put up. Okay, what's wrong with with the sign for the traffic light? It's upside down. The red is supposed to be on top, but whoever put it up, they saw it, and they said, oh, it's good enough. It's good enough. No, it's going to be okay, okay? Uh, these, uh, these trophies are really good, and if you can't read what's on the trophy there, it, it says adulting champion, and one of the trophies, the words are upside down. So that is so ironic, but somebody made that and said, oh, it's good enough. It's good enough. I've actually seen this next one over near LAX. Maybe you've seen it. Somebody put the billboard upside down, and they said, oh, it's good enough. No big deal. Good enough. Christmas season's coming, okay? Maybe you're having a, uh, putting up a tree in the office. Well, what happens when the tree's too tall? I'll oh, take a ceiling tile out. Good enough. It's good enough. Or maybe at the store, you did some Black Friday shopping. We got, the, bo- we got the, uh, the, the end cap set up, boss. It's done. Well, they switched it. They didn't put it up right, but it's good enough. My favorite, finally, is look how somebody filled up the soap dispenser. Good enough. Good enough, they put a bar of soap in the soap dispenser, okay? It is absolutely amazing how people care so little about the quality of work that they produce, you know? Sometimes people do something like this and they just, oh, it's good enough. But it really shouldn't surprise us because there are schools of thought out there that directly teach us that we should only put so much effort into our work. Now, perhaps you've heard of the law of diminishing returns, you know, here the idea here is an economic idea where there comes a point when you are spending more money necessary and your profits begin to diminish. And that's true when it comes to, uh, uh, comes to financial costs versus returns. That can be very true. But what happens when we only give the amount of effort that's good enough. Look at this graph. This is kind of what we are maybe subtly and sometimes not so subtly taught. We should only give enough effort to get the maximum value or get the maximum return out of our work. We shouldn't give our best. We can only limit ourselves to do good enough sometimes. And that's easy to do. It is so easy to limit ourselves to do good enough in our lives. It's easy sometimes when we compare the work we produce to somebody else. Well, I'm doing better than they are. And so it's good enough. It's good enough. Or sometimes we can get lazy in our work and we can say, oh, it's good enough. Or maybe you just don't even care anymore. Maybe you're at a job you hate and you're just giving good enough. By definition, giving good enough, we aren't giving our best. But who cares right? You know, who cares? Why why would I care if I'm giving good enough? Does God care if we give good enough at work? Does God care if we just give good enough at church or at school? Does God care if we give him something that's only good enough? Today I want to look at some passages in the Bible and... um, I want to talk about how much effort that we should give in our lives. And the first passage, I'm going to be honest with you, is one that I'm a little hesitant to share, not because there's anything wrong with it, not because it's controversial. It is a great passage, but it's a very personal reason I'm a little hesitant to share. Uh, As you know, a man and I were expecting our third boy any time now. His due date is December 17th, but it could happen at any time, right? And uh, the reason I'm hesitant to share this passage is because it's about a man who we're going to name our son after. And uh, I, I just feel kind of weird, like it's like I'm talking about how great this guy is, and within a couple of weeks I'm going to be naming my son uh, this name, and it's just kind of weird. But this is what God laid on my heart today, and I want to share it with you. And so I'm going to share Genesis chapter 4. Starting in verse one, it says, Now Adam had relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. When she gave birth to Cain, she said, Look, with the Lord's help, I produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of his firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel's gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry and he looked dejected. So, this is our story, and you may be familiar with the story of Cain and Abel. And it's important for us to dissect a couple things about this story because I think there are one area in particular where we can maybe get off track of what is actually being said. But the first thing that I found interesting in reading the story and thinking about it and praying about it is that Cain and Abel, think about this. They are the first two children after the fall. They did not know a life without sin like their parents, Adam and Eve, knew. They did not know a life with an unbroken relationship with God. Adam and Eve would have memory. They would remember what it was like before the fall. But Cain and Abel, just like you and I, they are born into sin just like we are born into sin. And secondly, here's really the thing we've got to understand about this story. The emphasis of the story is not the contents of the gifts that each man is bringing to God. The reason God accepts one gift and rejects the other gift is not because God likes lambs more than he likes fruit and vegetables, okay? God's not on the carnivore diet. And he's trying to not eat fruits and vegetables. No, that's not it. It, it. It's not like God's gonna eat either one of these gifts, as a matter of fact. The gifts that are brought to God are more symbolic than they are physically useful to God. It's important to understand that. It's not the gifts that are being accepted or rejected there's something more happening here. It's symbolic. It's like when a child brings his mother a bouquet of dandelions, okay? We know that those dandelions, they're weeds. Let's be honest, they're weeds. But the mom, what does she see? She sees love in that gift of dandelions. What's important in this passage are two words that we need to identify. The first word is some, and the other word is best. Cain, gives some of what he has to God, and Abel gives God his best, gives the best. Abel, he carefully selects the best of what he's produced, and he brings it to God as a symbolic gift of the best of his hard work. He brings his best as an act of worship and gives God his whole heart. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11 we read, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man and God showed his approval to his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. And that's why we're gonna name our son Cain. No, I'm just kidding. Now, Cain, on the other hand, he he brings some of what he's produced. Now, understand, he is still bringing a gift to God. He's still bringing a gift. So why does God reject a gift? Have you ever thought about that? It's because good enough is not in God's vocabulary. Good enough is not in God's vocabulary. You may, have, you may remember earlier in the year, we talked about and we had a series about the seven churches in Revelation. And, and Jesus tells the church in Revelation uh, in Laodicea, he says, I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. God doesn't want what's good enough. God wants our best. And if we're not careful, we can dangerously settle in our relationship with God where we're only giving him some of us and not our best. That's easy to do. It is easy to to settle in our relationship with God and only give him some instead of our best. Just like doing a, a good enough job we can settle in our relationship with God, and we can give him some, and we think, oh, it's good enough. We can settle by maybe getting lazy in our relationship with God. Can I confess that there have been, a time, there have been times when I've been convicted in my marriage where I've gotten lazy in the relationship? You know, there was a time when I realized I wasn't pulling my weight in the evenings w- with our boys, You know, Amanda was doing the lion's share of the work when it came to getting them fed and getting them bathed and dressed for bed and read a book and sing a song and pray. And and at the Sullivan house, you know, they don't go to bed easy. Um, And we call this this time that it takes the grind because it just takes it all out of us. And there was a short time when I realized I'd gotten lazy and Amanda was doing the majority of the grind all by herself. It's easy to fall into laziness when, when I'm tired and, and when, when I, I feel like I need a break. You know, it's easy. But I had to get, in the, get back in the game. I had to decide I got to get back in the game. My kids and my wife, they need my best even when I'm tired. And I think that it's easy to get lazy in our relationship with God too. Especially if you've been a Christ follower for a long time. You can you can slide into laziness without even realizing it. Because when you've been a Christ follower for a long time, there comes a point when you've heard every sermon, you've sang every worship song, you've been to every event, and it's easy where you can choose to be lazy. You might let other people take the lead while you sit on the sidelines. I want to challenge you. We've got to get back in the game. We can't allow ourselves to get lazy in our relationship with God. We've got to give him our best. You know, it's also easy to settle into a good enough relationship with God when we compare ourselves with others. When we start to judge our own spirituality, when we look around and compare ourselves to everyone else's spirituality, we say, well, at least I'm not doing that. At At least I'm I'm not as bad as, when we compare ourselves with others, it's easy to settle into a good enough attitude with God. Because even the most messed up person in church can look around and compare themselves to somebody else and find somebody else a little bit more messed up and make themselves feel a little bit better. There's always somebody more messed up than us. And if we compare ourselves, it's easy to settle into that good enough relationship. I want you to remember that God did not compare what gifts that Cain and Abel brought. God did not compare what gifts Cain and Abel brought. He judged their hearts individually. Individually he examined their hearts and that's what he judged. You ever have a coach, a parent or a teacher ask you the question Did you give your best? You know, maybe after your report card comes in, you give it to your mom or dad and they say, okay, okay, did you give your best? After a game, did they ever say, did you do your best out there? Maybe after you gave a presentation, did your boss ever ask you, was that your best? What, What are they asking when they ask you this question? What they're saying is the outcome of the game or the report card, or the presentation. The outcome isn't as important as important. Is, the outcome is not as important as how you did it. It's not whether you win or lost. It's how you play the game. It's not whether you passed or failed. It's did you give your best? Did you give it all? You know we aren't always in control of the outcome. Of things in our lives. There are times when we don't give our best and we win. There are times when we do give our best and we lose. Thankfully, God is more concerned about our heart and the outcome. See, giving our best is what God asks of us. And when we present our gift to him like a great coach, he judges our performance based on our potential. The potential he put inside of you. God didn't look at Abel and said, Why God didn't look at Cain and said, Why can't you be more like Abel? No. He judged their own performance based on their own potential. You know, Christmas is right around the corner and it's my favorite holiday. I'm really excited you get around me and you're gonna get a Christmas overload, okay? I've been listening to Christmas music since October, okay? I'm just telling you. Um, and it seems like every year, because I listen to so much Christmas music, I guess there's a song that stands out to me spiritually. Over the past several years, this has happened, where there'd be one song that just kind of sticks in my heart, and I'm like, oh, yes, that's a great song, and last year, the song was The, uh, the Little Drummer Boy, and you, you know the song. It tells a story. Uh, for all we know, it's a fictional story of a boy who was with the shepherds the night, that Jesus was born and as the shepherds they go to see Jesus the new king the boy realizes that he doesn't have a gift that's worthy enough to give a king and so he decides he's going to play the baby Jesus a song on his drum and I'm not going to sing it but I'm going to tell you some of the lyrics here he says shall i play for you perumpa pum pum on my drum mary nodded perumpa pum pum the ox and lamb kept time perumpa pum pum I played my drum for him perumpa pum pum I played my best for him perumpa pum pum rumpa pum pum rumpa pum pum Then he smiled at me perumpa pum pum me and my drum Yeah it's a good song I love it I love that song But I didn't catch this until last year Baby Jesus, in the song, God made man, nods at the boy. Not because he likes the song on the drum. He nods in approval because the boy gave God his best. I love that. God wants my best. God wants your best. So what does it look like to give God our best? I think giving God our best, it's summed up in Deuteronomy 6, 5, it says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. God, he wants all our heart. We, want, we give God all our heart. We give him all our soul, which, which I believe is our best worship. And we give him all our strength, which I would say is our best work. And really, these things that we give to God, I, I think they're progressive. I think they happen in an order. God receives part of our heart. At salvation, when we're transformed and we're made new, we're made into a new creation, we begin to fall in love with him. And then, I think we start to give him our best in our work. So when you get saved, you work to treat others better. You get saved, you give your best at your job. You work as if you're working for Jesus. Colossians says this, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And the master that you are serving is Christ. See, when we give our best at work, we're giving a gift to God. God is pleased when he sees us using the full potential that he put inside of us. We can't settle for giving God what's good enough at work. we got to give our best because we are giving it to God. God. And then I think when we're giving our best at work, we learn what it means to give our best in worship. Colossians again says, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So when we're giving our best at our work, that becomes worship to God. And when, and when we learn to give our best to God in worship... We do it by also growing in our understanding of who God is and what he's done for us. The more we become aware of his great love for us and what he has done for us because of that love, the more we are able to respond to him in our worship. And that means every day during your quiet time, you worship him. It means as we live our lives in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord, we worship him. It means as we resist temptation to sin, we worship him. It means as we come together as the local church and join our hearts together, we worship our great God. When we come together as the local church, it is not the song that is sung that's important. It's not whether you sit or you stand that is important. It's not whether you can sing well or you can sing poorly. That's important. First service I said, you can sit with me. You can stand next to me if you sing poorly. And people started asking, Amanda, can you not sing? No, I was sing fine. I'm talking about me. I can't sing. And so you can come sit with me and we will sing poorly. But that's not what's important, whether you can sing well or sing poorly. Giving our God the best in worship is what's important. That is what God responds to. That's what he wants of us. Then when we do all these things, we learn to give God all our heart. That's what it means to give him all our heart. To give God all our heart is when we fully surrender to Jesus. Galatians 2 says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body, trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the ultimate form of giving God our best. It's when everything you do is for Jesus, when God has complete control of your life, when Jesus has taken the wheel because you gave it to him. And there are depths of giving God our best that can take a lifetime to discover. Discovering every day what it means to give a little bit more to Jesus, surrendering a little bit more to Jesus, and finding out the more that we surrender, the freer we become In this upside down kingdom of God. The more we give our life, the more we find it. And do you know why God wants our best? Why did God accept Abel's offering and reject Cain's offering? It's because God wants our best because it's really the only thing that we have of value to give to him. Think about it. He already owns the entire universe. He owns everything. Everything that you have is his. His. But God wants our hearts. He wants all of us. He's given us free will and he wants us to choose who are we going to give our best to. Are we going to give our best to ourselves, our family, the world? Or are we going to give our best to our heavenly father? If we ever want to see God respond to our hearts, that's the way we respond to the love that he's already given us. All we have to do is give him our heart, our soul, and our strength. Because God's great love for us, he's already, given us our, he's already given us his best. And he wants our best in return. The rest of my fountain story, so I broke the fountain. It was my mistake. It was a, big, it was a stupid mistake, but I was on the hook. For all I know, that fountain could have cost thousands of dollars. And when it happened, all I was thinking was, well, I'm doing this handyman job for free and probably the next six handyman jobs for free. And I was sick. And so I went and got the homeowner. And I said, well, we've got a problem. The fountain has fallen over and I broke it. And I was ready. I, I, I was ready for it. I was ready for anger. I was ready for judgment. I was ready to pay. And you know what they said? Thank you so much. We hate that fountain. We wanted to get rid of it, and you just made the decision for us. (laughs) I was blown away. I'm standing there going, it gets better. The fountain that I broke, the one that I was in debt to pay for, they paid me to haul off the broken pieces. (laughs) That, my friends, is a perfect illustration of the grace that God has for us. You and I, we are sinners. We have broken God's laws. We have made our share of mistakes. And we were gonna have to pay for those mistakes. We were gonna have to pay the price. We deserve anger and judgment and consequences. But when we accept Jesus, the debt is erased. Jesus pays the price for us with his work on the cross. And and not only that, When we accept Jesus, the debt's paid, it's erased, and we are blessed by being adopted into God's family. Jesus, he gives us the opposite of what we deserve. We deserve to pay for our sins with death. And through Jesus, we are now given new life, eternal life. That, my friends, is grace. And that's the kind of grace that's available for me today and is available for you today. And so I want to invite everyone to stand right where you're at, bow your heads, and I've got a couple of questions I want you to consider this morning. The first question is this, if you're in this place and you want to respond to that kind of love, you want to accept that kind of grace. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer before in your life, or maybe you are at a place now where you've walked away and you say, I need to come back to Jesus. And you would like to accept Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. You want him to pay the price for your mistakes and to bless you for you to be adopted into God's family. If that's you and you're in this place, I just want you to simply raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for this morning. I'm gonna assume everybody in the room is already part of God's family. It's a good thing. Our hearts are right with God. And so that's the second component this morning is this. If this morning you've been challenged, your heart is tugged, the Holy Spirit is tugging on an area of your heart where we need to make an adjustment and we need to give God our best. Maybe it's work. Maybe you're not giving your best at work. Maybe you've gotten lazy or you don't care you say today, I need to do a little better because I want my work to be worshiped to God. Maybe today your worship is an area where you're challenged to give God your best, to live a life that's pleasing to God, to resist temptation. Even when we come into this place, maybe you're challenged to give God your best as we sing and we worship together. Finally, maybe you're challenged today because you wanna give God your whole heart. You want him to be in complete control of your life. You want everything you do, everything you say, to be for him. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand right where you're at. I'm raising my hand too. Let me pray a prayer blessing over you. Jesus, we want to give you our best. We want to give you everything. We're sorry, Lord, for the times when we settled for what was good enough. We're sorry when we stopped short, maybe because we got tired, or we compared ourselves, or our priorities shifted. God, we want to come back to a place where we give you the best that we have to offer. We want that to be shown in our work. We want it to be shown in our worship, and we want you to have complete control of our life. Help us, Lord. Help us to not settle, but help us to always give you our best.